Hey everybody, this is Keith Loy. I'm the founding senior pastor of Celebrate Church in Sioux Falls, South Dakota, and this is our podcast. I just want to say thank you for joining us, and it is my prayer that this week's message will truly encourage you. Enjoy. Last week we started a new series called Why I Believe What I Believe. And I simply stated that And and if you want to write this down, you you need to, again, that belief determines behavior. Everybody here makes their decisions on the beliefs that you have. I'm not here to argue those with you. Obviously, this is a church. Some might say, well, you're just telling me what you believe. And I stop for a moment and go, yeah. Um, But I'm also telling you why I believe it based upon an authority that I have. Now, we live in a world, granted, that now takes that authority, the Bible, and says, okay, here's my opinion, here's your opinion. Hence why the church is divided. And again, you have to pick what you believe. But I remind you, you will answer for those decisions. I'm not here to argue with it. I'm just here to help you with it, and then you have to decide what you want to do. I will remind you, your children will follow those beliefs. Your friends will follow those beliefs because your beliefs determine your behavior and everything that you believe is influencing other people around them. And you will be accountable for those beliefs. You don't get to pass the buck and say, well, they'll have to choose what they want. Unfortunately, they're not all choosing that. They're watching and making their decisions based upon what they've seen that you say truth is. Belief determines your behavior. It's how you date. It's how you drive. It's how you live. It's what you shop for. It's the bills that you pay. Everything about your life is based upon a belief system. And some of you right now, your belief is, well, I don't really care what he says. That's a belief system. And everybody around you, don't be mad at your kids when they don't care what you say. See, that's the hypocrisy. We think that we get to choose what we want and everybody else, that's a belief system, a worldview that says everybody revolts around me. That's why you get frustrated in traffic because you think everybody should drive on behalf of you and your best interest. It's why you get frustrated at certain people at work because you believe they need to respond and act the way that you want them to. That's why I say there's Yahweh and there's your way. It's why your marriage is what it is. It's why your kids are what it is. And you don't have to like what I'm saying. You can get mad at those things and you can get up and walk out a door and go somewhere else. That's a worldview of belief. I go where people, I surround myself with people who tell me, What I believe is true. I don't want to grow. I don't want to be challenged. And that's the world we're living in, people. That's what we began to talk. Why we believe what we believe. What I want to do today is talk about how do I know what is true? How do I know that? And I'm going to help you in a very simplistic yet profound way. And if it's okay, I want to appeal to your common sense That's all I want to do. Nothing in this series is to want to put anybody on the defense. But if we're serious about truth, then we have to be asked some questions that maybe we don't want to necessarily be asked. 
And whether you want them or not, again, is a belief system that you have. And I think why our world is in serious trouble. I don't know, have you ever played the game Two Truths and a Lie? How many have ever played that game? Come on, put your hand up. If you haven't, let me help you with it, okay? Two Truths and a Lie is this. Here's how it works. Someone tells you two things about themselves that are true, and then they tell you one thing that is a lie. The game begins that you now have to guess which one of the three is the lie. Let's, let's play. I'll, I'll just use me. Three things about me. I'm ambidextrous. I've been in three movies. I ate breakfast with the president, that being President Obama. A, how many believe that the lie is I'm ambidextrous? Okay. I'm, I'm, I'm ambidextrous. Okay. <laughs> All right. I've been in three movies. How many believe that's a lie? That's actually the lie. Because I ate breakfast with President Obama. See, see, sometimes, sometimes it's not easy to tell which is true and which is a lie, is it? Probably why in a recent survey, 70% of Americans are concerned right now with the decline in moral values. How many are concerned about that in this country? Okay. I'm not even going to ask who isn't. Okay. But here's the problem. What they're saying is, is there is a crisis of credibility right now. And that is a huge concern when we come into an election, right? What is the candidate saying that is true? And what are they saying that is a lie? And that is a huge concern for all of us because it's not so easy these days to tell what is true and what is a lie. Now, I'm sort of being humorous, but I'm playing on this. This is something I call truth decay. All right? Know what I'm talking about? There is serious truth decay in our world right now. And I'm highly recommending that I think some people need to go to Jesus the great dentist, because we need some serious help. This is why Jesus said, you can know the truth. Did you know he said that? Which implies there is a truth. There is a truth. And he says, that truth will set you free. There is a truth. And that truth will set you free. Freedom comes from truth, the real truth, nothing but the truth of God's truth. And the more we know God's truth, the freer life will become. Emotionally, physically, spiritually, ecumenically, whatever you want to say, relationally, comes from truth. The more we know truth, the freer we are. But here's the opposite is just as true. The more we forfeit truth, we get truth decay. And the world gets real messy real quick. When Jesus said you can know truth, you know what he's talking about? The truth. He's not talking about a truth or any truth. He's talking about the truth because there is a truth. Let me, let me play with this. Let's say after the service, you decide to get an I-229. But instead of taking the off or the on-ramp, you take the off-ramp. Now, who in this room would say, well, that's okay. Go ahead, raise your hand, because we just want to know you're the one that likes to be the center of attention, which is part of a worldview for you. I want to be seen rather than listen. I want to be laughed at rather than respected. So that's a worldview. 
And there are people like that. But if you went after service and you said, I'm going to get an I-229 and I'm going to take the off-ramp, not the on-ramp, how silly would it be for you to say, who do you tell me what's wrong? Maybe it's wrong for you. Maybe it's right for me. Hold that. Anybody ever play Scrabble? Okay, all right. And somebody says, Sniffelfritzer, 57 points. And you're like, that's not a word. And they're like, maybe not for you, but it is for me, 57 points. <laughs> this is where our world is today. This is exactly where our world is right now. Truth decay. Literally the mindset of this country is, maybe what's right for you isn't right for me. And all I'm telling you, the moment you say that, you're saying, I'm God. You don't have to like that. But that's what you're doing. Truth is subjective. It's not. Truth is culturally relevant. New way. And that has over and over been the mindset where we once valued truth. You know what we now value? Tolerance. Maybe it's wrong for you, but right for me. Truth decay. So, so what I want to do is I'm going to show you how you can find truth, but, but I want to help you understand what truth is like. So if you have your notes, take them out. What does truth decay look like when we value tolerance over truth? You, you just need to understand this. You, you, that can be your worldview. Well, just because it's right for you doesn't mean it's right for me. That's fine. But then you need to be okay with what happens with truth decay. Because when there's tolerance, there will be, here's the first one, immaturity. There will be immaturity. That's why Paul wrote these words. We are to no longer be like what? Children. Come on. Everybody got to get involved here. We are no longer to be like what? Children. I'm going to tell you why he said that. We should no longer be like a child forever changing their minds because that's what children do, people. Has anybody figured that out? Kids are up, left, right, down. They don't know what they believe yet. Y'all ready for this? They're immature. That's why we make statements like this. You need to grow up now. Unfortunately, who we're saying that to are people that are in their 60s and 70s. It's time to grow up. Make up your mind. The role of an adult is to help a child discover what truth is. The problem is that so many adults don't know what truth is and they have no idea how to lead a child that way. We're no longer to be like children. Folks, listen to this. The ability to know the difference between right and wrong is a mark of maturity. Do you understand that? The ability to know the difference between right and wrong is a mark of maturity. And when we learn to take responsibility, we're hitting the mark of maturity. And yet how few people want to take responsibilities. Anybody notice that it's always somebody else's fault these days? 
It's always somebody else's fault. We're always pointing the blame. That's immaturity. That's immaturity. So I ask the question, do you tend to pass the buck? Do you tend to blame others? That's truth decay. Here's another one. When there's truth decay, when we value tolerance over truth, there'll be immorality. Has anybody noticed how that's increased? And I'm not just talking sexual. That's one of the problems with immorality. The moment we hear that word, we go sexual. But do you know what the Bible says? Immorality is not about just sex. It's an attitude. Immorality is an attitude that says, I'll do whatever I want to do. That's immorality. That's why Paul wrote these words. Watch this. They don't care anymore about right and wrong. They have given themselves over to immoral ways. Their lives are filled with all kinds of impurity and greed. And let me show you how it works. It's when we do something over and over and over again, have you noticed it becomes easier and easier to do, doesn't it? Do you know what's going on here? You're numbing your conscience. You're numbing it. Which in turn over time tells you, must be okay. See, guilt's a wonderful thing. Guilt is sort of the spirit going, ah, wrong. But when you push it aside, you start numbing the spirit. And that's why Paul says in 1 Thessalonians, don't quench the spirit. Do not quench the spirit. But we do. Because we care more about what our friends think than what God knows. We care more about fitting in than faithing up. We care more about justifying our lives rather than realizing that we desperately need God. That's what happens. And there's immorality. Do you know what the Bible says? Proverbs 14. A fool makes fun of guilt. A fool does. You know how the message says it? The stupid ridicule right and wrong. And you know one of the great pieces of evidence is that this is happening, that we have truth decay? is that we're quicker, to, we're quicker to rationalize our behavior than we are to repent of it. Well, you have to understand what they did. doesn't matter what they did. You sinned. It's the same thing. Have you ever heard someone say the world has changed? That's old school. Of course the world changes. You know why the world changes? because we're not building our lives on truth. That's why the world changes. And we keep justifying it. Folks, listen to this very carefully. There has always been light and there has always been darkness. True? Here's the problem. We thought it was okay to put on a dimmer switch. Did Jesus come to be dim lit? <laughs> Or to be a bright one. There is no gray. I'm the light of the world. He who follows me will never walk in darkness. There's no shades of darkness with God. Nor is there any shades of light. There's light. There's darkness. Pick one. 
Here's what also happens when we tolerate, okay, rather than truth up. There'll be idolatry. This is why Paul writes, instead of believing what they knew was the truth about God, they deliberately chose to believe a lie. They worship the things God made rather than the creator himself. And I said this last week, it blows my mind that people would rather worship things that God created rather than one who made them. That just blows my mind. But here's what you need to understand. Idol worship is not isolated to a little Buddha on your mantle. It could be your car. It could be your cash. And a lot of times it's your kids. It's any time you put something before God. He's not okay with it. Family doesn't trump God. God is what family's all about. This is why I want to just simply throw this in. Don't give your kids what you think they might want. Give your kids what God says they need. Train up a child in the way that they should go. And when they are old, they will not depart from it. What's the thing do they hear as a mom and dad coming out of your mouth first? Is it God? Truth decay. Immaturity, immorality, idolatry. But there's a, th- there's a fourth one. There'll be injustice. The prophet Isaiah wrote, Our courts oppose people who are righteous. Justice is nowhere to be found. Truth falls dead in the street and fairness has been outlawed. Does that sound a lot like today? Does anybody notice that? That was written 2,700 years ago. Isn't that interesting? And precisely why we need a standard of right. We need a standard of wrong. See, I can't speak for you, but I'd rather hear the truth, know the truth, nothing but the truth, even if it hurts. I'd rather have that because that truth, God's truth, sets me free. So how can we know the truth? And you know what the good news is? It can be discovered. So I don't want you to miss this. Here's the first way you can know the truth. Start exploring the world around you. Start exploring it. Don't run through it and rush by it. Start smelling the roses. Oh my goodness. Look around. God is everywhere. Do you know what the Bible says? Since the creation of the world, since God made the Garden of Eden, before we were even created, that's what the Bible says, God's invisible qualities, his eternal power, his divine nature has been clearly seen, being understood from what he has made, so we were without excuse. Oh my goodness, has anybody ever noticed how much God loves variety? Turn to the person next to you and go, whoa, he does, okay? All right? God loves variety. Did you know he literally created over 60,000 varieties of beetles? Did you know that? And then he named them. John, Ringo, Paul, George. I mean, it's unbelievable. Over 60,000. How about the deliberate balance of nature? Just look at nature itself. It's not a bang. It's like... Dang, man, you know what I mean? The whole earth is an exquisite ecosystem that was delicately created, precisely put together. And if it should get a fraction out of whack, every one of us would be in serious trouble. Science doesn't even have a clue. If that offends someone in here who thinks you're smart, you're not that smart. That's our problem. We think we're smart. We think we're so brilliant. 
but we're not. This thing blows my mind. I don't know if you ever noticed something. Has anybody ever played in the, played in, in the park and you got in the merry-go-round and you all stood there and they spun it as fast as you could? Okay, how many found that it was pushing you out, not pulling you in? Okay, has anybody figured out that this plan is a little different? And spinning a whole lot faster. I, I just think God is awesome. It's just absolutely amazing. How about your own body? Okay, bad example. Um, okay, let's, let's use Reed's body, okay? All right, okay? And I just heard him go, amen, amen, good choice, all right? This is why Paul wrote these words. The basic reality of God is plain enough. Just open your eyes. Look at the world around you. Let me ask you a question. What percentage of the knowledge of our universe do you think we have right now? 10%, 1%, 40%? Did you know what the answer is? One billion zillionth of a percent, which translates 99.9999999% of the knowledge of our universe is still unknown. Which begs the question, why would you bet the farm, bet your life, on a fraction of possibility that there's no God. That's just crazy. Look around. The world's amazing. Here's number two. Examine yourself. Socrates said the unexamined life is not worth living, and yet how many people just stop and even look at their own life? Folks, listen to this. Some things, whether we want to admit it or not, are innate Some things are right and some things are wrong. It's called a conscience. And we all have one. Paul writes in Romans, some people naturally obey God's commands. Even though they don't have the law, this proves that the conscience is the law written in the human heart. And it will show whether we are forgiven or condemned. In fact, let me just play another game. Let's say you're in New York City. Times Square, on a corner, middle of the afternoon. And there's a little old lady, let's say she's 92 years old, she's blind, has a walker, and she's about to step off the curb to cross the intersection. Now, remind you, this is New York City, Times Square. Everybody got it? Here's your choice. You can, A, ignore her and let her try. Two, B, help her cross the street. Or C, push her into the oncoming traffic, see what happens. None of you would go with C. I don't care how old you are. It's just natural as breathing. You know exactly what you should do. Where'd that come from? That's why if we saw someone shove her out in the street and she got hit, we would instantly go, that's just evil. That's why when we see things in the news, we go, that's just wrong. How can anybody do that? It's in as innate as breathing. The Bible says the Lord gave us all a mind and a conscience. We cannot hide from ourselves. And yet so many do. Truth decay. So here's my question. Is your thinking more of this world or of God's word? The Bible says examine yourself to see whether you are in the faith. Test yourself. Do you not realize that Christ Jesus is in you? Unless, of course, you fail the test. Here's number three. 
Start experimenting with the evidence. In other words, read the word. I say it all the time. One of the great things that the devil has done for those who call themselves Christians, and I'm just going to say that because I'm not sure, is how busy he gets them and they spend no time in the word of God. Why do you think Satan tries to keep you busy? Why do you think Satan lies to you and tells you you got a lot to do when you really don't have a lot to do? We just think we have a lot to do. Why do you think Satan does that? Because he knows there's power in the word of God. So he keeps you out of the word and keeps you in the world. We'd rather spend more time on social media being entertained by garbage than being in the word of God and getting truth that really matters. Let, let, me, let me show you personally. If I was going to Rapid City and you gave me a road map and I followed it, it took me to Rapid City, wouldn't it make sense, agree with me, wouldn't it make sense that the next time I go to Rapid City I use the same map? Yeah, yeah. Common sense. That's common sense. Well, here's the deal. Most of my life, I've been following this map. And it's never gotten me wrong. I've experimented with it. I took it for a test drive. I tried it out. And you know what I discovered? It worked. It's always taken me where it said it would take me. And I can promise the same would be for you as well. Has anybody here ever turned off Siri? <laughs> okay. Ask yourself why. The Bible says anyone who examines this evidence will come to stake their life on it for God is truth. The Bible says that. But here's the deal. Don't take my word for it. Take his. The Bible says in 2 Timothy, all scripture, everything in this is inspired by God. And it is useful to teach us what is true and make us realize what is wrong in our lives. It straightens us out. It teaches us to do what's right. Here's the final one. Experience Christ. Experience Christ. I'm going to invite Chris out. I'm telling you the proof is in the pudding. He will satisfy. I guarantee it. Listen, this. I'm not a fan of religion. Many of you know that. In fact, I hate it. But I am unbelievably pro 100% the relationship of Jesus Christ. Right. Romans 10 says, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed. Never. In one of the most famed verses in the Bible, Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I don't want you to miss this. Jesus said, I am. Jesus said what? I am. Jesus said what? He didn't say a religion would. He didn't say a ritual might. He didn't say a rule or regulation could. And you know why he didn't say that? Because truth is a person. It's not a might be. It's not a hope so. It's Jesus. I don't know if you know this or not. My master's work was in religions. And every other leader of every other faith other than Christ Jesus, pointed to truth. Muhammad said, I am a prophet of truth. Buddha said, I'm searching for truth. The Hindu scriptures 
say that truth is elusive. It can never be found. But Jesus said, I am the truth. Play with me. I'll show you how this works. Imagine if I said today, my name is Keith and I'm a good teacher. Some of you might buy that. Maybe not. But what if I said, my name is Keith and I am God. And you can't get to heaven except through me. If I truly said that, I'm pretty sure some of you would run to the door. Notice what just happened. If I said that, you have to make a choice, don't you? I forced you to make a choice. I'm either crazy, I'm either a con man, or I am who I said I was. That's why Jesus said, I ain't pointing you to truth. I'm not telling you about truth. I'm it. Because now you have to decide. He's either a liar. As C.S. Lewis says, he's a lunatic. Or he's Lord. I am the truth. That's what Jesus said. I'm here to tell you if he's not, then... 2.3 billion people are going to be greatly disappointed. But if he is, 5 billion are going to really be disappointed. I'm one of the 2.3. See, I think it's time for you to get off the fence. How's you way working for you, really? How's it affecting everybody around you? Today, today is a make a decision Joshua said, now fear the Lord and serve him with all faithfulness. Throw away the gods of your ancestors and serve the Lord. But then what he says is this, but if serving the Lord seems undesirable to you, then choose for yourself this day whom you will serve. You ready for this? But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. I'm not a fan of gambling. I'm just going to be honest with you. So if you're sitting here, this might be a turnoff. I'm not a fan of it. I'd rather work for something than tell my neighbors I'm glad when you lose and I get to win at your expense. Call it what it is. But the fact is, we're all gamblers with our lives. Did you know that? And unlike the typical gambling play, you don't get to bet a little here and a little there. When it comes to your life every day you get up, you're all in. You're betting with your life every day you get up. The atheist says, I'm betting my life there's no God. I made my bet, people. I'm all in. You can't be half in. You're either in or you're not. Jesus, the one who said, I am. He said, narrows the gate that leads to everlasting life. Very few people will find it. You don't get to put one foot in and then tell God how it works. You're either in and you die to yourself and your ways and take on a new nature, or you're all out. Wide is the gate that leads to destruction, he says, and many, for some reason, want to go that way. 
I don't understand with a fraction of time and a fraction of thought why so many are willing to bet their human life against forever and ever and ever. John 3 says those who believe in him discover that God is true. Truth can be discovered. Look around. Look within. But may I say this most importantly, look up. Look up. Look up. Father, it's quiet in a room, and I think the reason why is because maybe some checked out. I'll just keep doing it my way. I don't say that sarcastically to put anybody on the defense. I'm just saddened that we know so little, and yet we're willing to bet so much. But that's a choice each of us have, a choice we make. And yet, even in those moments, you're just a patient, loving God. You're not mad at anybody in this room. You're not down at anybody in this room. You're not against anybody in this room. You just know that there's a way that seems right to a person. But that way is always death. It can't satisfy. But there is a way. <laughs> you're the way that leads to life. It's a choice and a decision personally we have to make. But that decision changes everything. It changes how we live, how we behave, everything. And it's worth it. God, I ask right now that as we move into a time of response in song, in word, Maybe there's a moment for someone to say today is the day. This is the day I need to be like Joshua. It's time to turn, turn toward you. And said, so today, as for me and my house, we're going to serve the Lord. God, I pray that people are contemplating this right now and read in a moment it's going to come and lead us in a communion and a time to respond. God, help us. Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, make sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past messages. And if you like what you're hearing, consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. It helps so much. You know, you can click the share button, take a screenshot and share it on your social stories and tag us at Celebrate Church. For more content from Celebrate and to connect with us, go to celebrate.church. We love you and we believe in you. God bless. God bless.